Welcome to the Be Bold in Business podcast. My name is Samantha Hearn and I'm the host of this amazing channel. I wanted to bring you a place where you hear from myself and other amazing, inspirational business people on their journey to the success they've created. I wanted to bring you the offline journeys to the online successes that we see on social media. I want to create a place where you hear the struggles people have been through, the challenges, the lessons they've learned, the mistakes they've made, so that you know that ordinary people can create extraordinary things every single day, and that it's totally possible for you too. The Be Bold in Business podcast is a place where you are going to hear real, genuine, warts and all stories from some of the most exceptional people in business and how they succeeded anyway. If you are ready to show up in your business, if you are ready to be bold, if you are ready to learn from your mistakes, if you are ready to bounce back and become more resilient, this is the podcast for you. And me, Samantha Hearn, I cannot wait to welcome you, support you, empower and inspire you and share with you the stories that sometimes don't get shared online and give you this real refreshing approach on how building a business sometimes can be hard, sometimes involves failing, sometimes involves struggle, but you can still succeed anyway. So welcome to the Be Bold in Business podcast, and I cannot wait for you to take your invitation to be bold in your business too. So hello and welcome to another episode. I'm absolutely buzzing for this. I'm super excited to have this conversation um, because I think we all have people that we just get on and connect with and align with. And I think I'm, I'm really excited personally to have this conversation, but also to bring this person to all of you. And as you know, this podcast is about allowing you to hear the offline stories to the online success and make sure that you have access to the behind the scenes of how these people run their businesses, how they overcome the challenges and the fact they keep going. So I'm very excited for this conversation because I don't know what's going to come up, but I know it's going to be juicy. So welcome, Matt. Please let everyone know who you are and what you do. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Matthew Kimberley. I am the head of Book Yourself Solid Worldwide, which is a small business marketing and business growth program. Uh, prior to that, I have been a sales trainer. I teach people how to write emails, and I'm a small business coach. I live in Malta in the Mediterranean, small island in the middle of nowhere, and I've been doing this for about 11 years. And I've been self-employed for about 14, 15 years. Excellent. And I, yeah, we met at an event actually, maybe two years ago, three years ago. I think you're right. Two, I think. Yeah, two years ago. And we happened to be at the same like dinner with mutual friends. And I think it's good for you to actually hear from someone who has been doing this a really long time because... Now I feel old. <laughs> But you know, you know what I mean. Like the entrepreneurial space is so creative and innovative and new and fresh. And there's people that are building their dreams constantly. But to hear from someone that's been quite established in this world, I think it's refreshing because people can see that there is longevity and there is sustainability in running a business for yourself. When you started, however... Did, did you find it hard to navigate through those kind of beginning stages? I kind of came from a, I, my, my background was sales. So I worked in corporate sales and then I started my own recruitment company with a business partner who was kind of my sponsor. And over the space of about three years, 
my relationship with him and with myself and with my business broke down to, I thought, yeah, I think I was, if I didn't have a nervous breakdown, I was minutes away from a nervous breakdown. Uh, and so I really came with a completely blank slate. And I said, I don't want to do it on my own. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach people how to be better at very specific aspects of business, which I was quite good at, which was selling. And I knew it was a block for a lot of people. Uh, and I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I've got a couple of options. I can do it on my own, like make it up, create my own material, create my own courses, create my own structure, create my own training manuals, my own intellectual property. And I explored that. Uh, I thought I could make it up as I went along, which would be doing a disservice to everybody, but was the easiest route. And then I thought, well, hang on, why don't I just get someone to teach me how to do it? Why don't I buy a system? Uh, and so I hooked up immediately with a guy called Michael Port, who created Book Yourself Solid. Uh, and, and I didn't find it difficult because I had the right support. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'd said I'm going to be a coach, uh, let's make it happen, uh, I, which is what I did say. But if I tried to do it all on my own, there would have been a whole lot of trial and error. And every time I've worked with somebody, it's always been to uh, shorten the learning um, mm. process, mm. right? So I want to do something. What's the quickest? Well, how, how quickly can I go to market? Well, I can buy a system, take it to market, and I've got the permanent support of somebody else. That's not to say it was easy because uh, I moved country at the same time. My son had just been born. I remember doing my coach training with... Uh, a four-month-old in my arms, and I moved to a country where, which didn't, frankly, have much need for. Well, it wasn't my market. Malta is a is is a is a place where training for sure is required, but it wasn't really my market. I was interested in the very developed, um, higher, deeper-pocketed, um, more mature markets of the US and, and the UK. So to operate from a completely remote destination 3,000 miles away from where my target market was was definitely a challenge um, with help and money spent on the right help it worked out um, and then a lot of the pains and like business is binary Sam right so by that I mean it's 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 ones or zeros it's you either do the thing or you don't do the thing like, mm -hmm. I'm going to launch a program, so just launch the program, you know? Or I'm going to have a sales conversation, so just go and have a sales conversation. I'm going to write a sales page. Just write the bloody sales page already, right? What makes everything difficult is not a lack of knowledge, because we can buy knowledge. We can either buy it for ourselves or we can buy it from somebody else. Um, but it's what happens between the instruction and the execution in our brains. And so we've all got these, and me, a hundred percent, as as well as everybody else, we've got these filters that we put information through. So that's why there's a difference between simple and easy. So it's simple to launch a coaching business on paper, but then we overthink it, and all it's of a sudden, this simple idea just becomes, well, what about this? What about this? My target market is different. My situation is different. I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm feeling hungover. Um, I've got a, a sick kid. I'm a Care. I've got there's so many distractions from the simple execution of a task, and I have suffered over the last decade immensely with you know mental distractions that prevent me from doing the job, and that's been the toughest thing. Navigating being self-employed um, without having a boss standing over me, cracking the whip, and saying, "Pick your sorry ass up off the floor. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. 
get back in the saddle, go and do the thing. And that's something I continue to struggle with on a daily basis. Mm. I just had to take notes about the fact that you said business is binary. You know, you do or you don't. In, and I, I totally agree with you. You either do it or you don't do it. But it's the mindset that stops us. It's never the action. It's always the thought process. And from someone very similar to you, like mindset's always been the thing that I've struggled with more than anything. You know, I, if someone tells me to do something, I'll do it. But it's the thoughts, the overthinking, the overcomplicating and for someone listening, I know 99% are going to relate to this and be exactly the same because I know who they are and they're sitting there thinking, I do that. I think about all of the reasons that it won't work, all the reasons I'll fail, all of the problems I could come up against that I don't know the answers to, all of the distractions, my job, my partner, my kids, my life. What would you say if, if, if they were to be in front of you now and saying, yeah, but the thing is, Matt, I do, I have this, I have that, I, I can't give it my full attention, I, I only can work in the evenings, I can only do this at weekends, what would be your n most important piece of feedback to someone that currently these thoughts win and they don't take action? I don't, right, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know how to fix mindset. That's not been my area of expertise. I think I'm uniquely unqualified to offer any advice around that. But I can tell you what I do. Yeah, right? correct. And what I do is I try to do three things a day. And by that, I mean, like, I measure, did I do three things? And the, the other thing that we didn't mention is, is distractions, like distractions that are like stupid distractions, like, oh, I'm sitting in front of my computer, I've got 20 emails to respond to, but, uh, you know, YouTube. <laughs> That's, if you're competent, and this is a danger for a lot of smart people, competent people who can make, make enough money to make themselves comfortable, they don't push themselves. So I, I've got my comfort zone, I don't want to step out of my comfort zone, it's fine, I feel guilty because I should be striving for more, I should be more ambitious, I should want that seven or eight figure business, but, you know, the bills are going to be paid, you know, perhaps my wife has got a job. There's, there's this level of, of comfort, which I also suffer from. You know, I'm smart enough to be able to make money on demand. And that often means that I don't <laughs> because I know that next month I've, I can, right? So what I try to do on the assumption that, and I've got smarter friends than me who work intensively on mindset, and perhaps I'm just not coachable around that at the moment, which is, is okay. You know, maybe that will change. Maybe I could coach myself to be coachable around mindset. Um, I, I try and have a list of things. So I have this idea that we do things in the wrong order when it comes to work, right? If you look at any organization uh, made up of different departments, there's a very clear hierarchy in terms of financial reward. The sales department are paid the most. They get sales commission, performance-related bonuses, the hefty you know, president's clubs, trips to the Caribbean and things like that. Then you've got the marketing department. They make a lot of money available to the marketing department. The head of marketing is going to be on a really healthy six-figure salary. Um, his team are going to be given a budget to play with one and two of the most important departments in the organization, at least in terms of how we allocate money. Third, we have delivery or fulfillment. These are the people who actually do the thing. These are the plumbers who come to fix your sink. These are the personal trainers in the gym who do the work with the clients. These are uh, perhaps the, the, the chefs in the restaurant, right? The people who do delivery. They're kind of third, or, or, the, or the factory workers. They're third on the list of who's getting the most money in this organization. 
And then last is kind of admin, maintenance, janitorial, secretarial, stuff like that. So we can we have a pretty good idea of what's important in terms of how we should be allocating resources. Without sales, there's no business. Without marketing, there's no sales. Mm-hmm. And without those two, we don't need delivery, right? If nobody's booking the plumber, the plumber has nowhere to show up, so we don't need him. And finally, the administrative support, well, you know, the plumber can do that on his own if he's not got any business. Why do we, as self-employed people, do it completely the wrong way around, right? If we're allocating our resources, why is the first thing that we do when we get into the office, muck around with our emails, and, and update our widgets and try and fix our website and you know browse on social media which is a non-paid activity then we go to delivery right well i've got these five client projects i need to work on or i've got these six clients who are waiting for a reply to me or i've got and then we spend you know 90 percent of our day on dealing with our existing clientele mm-hmm. then we go huh you know what i could probably do some marketing uh, and I, you know, for me, very strict definition of marketing, does this generate a lead? Do I get a prospect as a result of this? That means you've got to choose your channel carefully. You've got to be thoughtful. Very often, updating social media is not a marketing activity. That's like fishing in the pond that you're already swimming in. It's like, hi, guys, it's me again. They're like, yeah, we know we're already on your list or, or writing on your own blog for the same hundred people that always read it, right? That's not marketing. But we could do a little bit of marketing if it generates leads, as if we've got some time left in the day. All right? And then sales. Well, when do we do sales? When the shit hits the fan. When we're really desperate for, oh, crap, there's more month than money. Better make some sales. So I try and flip that. I've got it written down on my, burned on my brain, written down in my office. Sales, marketing, delivery admin in that order. So I try and pick at least one sales task. First thing I do is look at this pipeline, try and move some people to the right-hand side of the screen. Then I go, right, let's try and generate some leads. Then I go, who are my clients and what do they need? And then I say, well, let's, let's look at the admin. Now, this is my rule book and I love to break the rules, right? But that's how I try. So I'm not saying I do it every single day, but I do it when I'm being diligent. And that helps over, like you can't think your way out of overwhelm you can't think you can't um you, you can't you even describing it is tough right that you can't climb a mountain in your thoughts but the mountain is in front of you and you can take two three four steps towards it so i just try to keep the steps going and when do you do this you do it when you feel like it you do it when you don't feel like it the easiest thing for me to do 40% of the time is nothing, you know, and then 60% of the time I've got some drive. And that might be wrong. Maybe 60% of the time I don't feel like doing anything, but 40% of the time I have some drive. But I think, you know, any progress, somebody smarter than me said this, but progress in, in the right direction, even if it's super, super, super slow, is the right thing to do. And that's really tough when you've got all sorts of distractions going on in your life. I remember when my kid was, um, my youngest son was born. When he was three months old, we found out that he had a heart condition. And here in Malta, we needed to uh, get a referral to the UK because they just didn't have the expertise to do his heart surgery. So we flew to Great Ormond Street for what was meant to be a week over Christmas and ended up becoming three months. 
because he was in intensive care. He was intubated. He was on life support. He had a machine breathing for him when he was four, five, six months old. And that distraction for me proved to be greater than my power to overcome it. I did nothing for three months. I couldn't even answer an email, right? So sometimes life does get in the way. Mm-hmm. But as Michael Port, my, my friend and, and first coach said, you know, life shouldn't get in the way. Life is the way, right? No matter what you've got going on, there, you will always be balancing these things. Sometimes the distractions are massive. Sometimes they're minor. Sometimes the distraction of work will actually help you deal with whatever it else. I've, I've had other times when I've lost myself in work to hide from some other shit that's going on in my life, right? So sometimes it's a useful thing. Mm. Not beating myself up is something I've really, I've learned to do. Having been in it, this business for such a long time or being self-employed for such a long time, I know that even if I end up taking three months or four months or five months off, I took six months off last year, right? As long as I have the intention of getting back in the saddle at some point, because I'm not here to, to do it for, for five minutes, I'm here to do it for the rest of my life, mm. then that's okay. You know, guilt is useful. Guilt, what do they say about guilt? It burns a hole in the person who carries it right? It just, you you carry guilt and it just destroys you, right? So be, be kind to yourself, but, but you might find it's easier than you think to make progress, even if that progress is, is the slowest progress you could imagine. And this, I talk a lot, don't I, Sam? I, I, you're just sitting there nodding your head. I'm like, okay, I love it. No, not at all. I think, yeah, I'm trying to, There's so many things I want to unpack from that, but I'm trying to really focus on the listener and making sure that I'm asking questions that I know that they will have rather than my own questions. And I think something that I know so many startup entrepreneurs experience, and when I say startup, I mean they have started building their personal brand or they're getting themselves on social media or they've got their first few clients. You know, they're really, they've got all of the passion and lots of ideas, but they are also the most vulnerable to quitting. As in, if some, if they don't get the traction or they don't get the engagement or they don't get the clients and it doesn't happen, you know, quick enough, I say with speech marks, the easier option tends to be, I'm not doing the right thing, it's not for me, maybe I can't cut it. But hearing from you, you know, you took six months off last year and obviously you're still going. I think I'd like to ask on their behalf, when you stop or you aren't visible, there's this fear that you'll be forgotten. There's a fear that they'll find someone else or there's a fear that, when you come back, no one's going to be there. You know, this real, and it could, it, I even struggle with this, even if it's for a day. If I'm not visible, I think everyone's going to forget what I'm doing and the, the, that I'm here and I'll lose all of this algorithm and all that stuff. To be able to confidently have that statement then, you know, you took six months off, but you always have the passion of coming back. For someone that isn't in a, in a stable business situation or an established business situation, but they do struggle with that level of consistency or that level of showing up and not getting anything in return and 
you know, giving, 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 and there's no, there's nothing in, re, in, re, in receive of that, in return of that, what, what would you, what would be your experience or your advice in that scenario? Like, how, how do you have that inner strength that you can take the six months off and, and come back and, and keep going? Where does that resilience come from? Well, I think, you know, I answer that question having had the business for a decade. So if your business is not stable, if you just got started, if you're not confident in your ability to make a sale next week, then don't take six months off. You know, I wouldn't have dreamt of taking six months off in year two, three, four, five, or six. It was the first time I've ever done it, you know, apart from a forced, apart, apart from a forced leave of absence when my kid was in hospital. You know, it's not a wise move. I just, I'm a brat and I wanted a break and I took a sabbatical, you know, and I think... Would you uh, reward of it after a decade at the coalface. However, Sam, what you said is, you know, if I go away for a day, then people will forget that I exist. And I'm, I rally strongly against that. Yeah, perhaps from a marketing point, maybe I'd be retired by now if I did show up every day. I show up to my mailing list maybe once every three weeks or so. I show up on social media almost never. I mean, that is that's when somebody else interviews me then I'll typically, I have my own podcast. I forget to even tell people about it. You know, there are 50 something episodes down and I've probably shared about three episodes on social media just because <laughs> I'm really bad at this stuff, right? So don't take what I say. However, if I can be really bad at showing up, then do we need to, you know, what if it wasn't true? That's a really good question that I ask myself all the time. How can I, like, before I took six months off, realized I was facing some kind of, needing a change because i said right i'm only i'm not going to work mondays or fridays yeah and that was easy what if it wasn't true that i was available on mondays or fridays well let's find out so i blocked monday and i blocked friday in my calendar and all of a sudden nobody can schedule a call and what broke nothing and was i happier yes you know so i tested what if it wasn't true what if it wasn't true that i was available on tuesdays as well what if it was only wednesday what if i didn't work the last week of every month and what and i moved to a three 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 rhythm that was three days a week Three, sorry, three hours a day, three days a week, three weeks a month. That was it. And I was proud of this. And for the whole of like the year before last, I told people, hey, you can do this. You can earn a full-time income working part-time. And that was something I was really proud of. You can't, you're allowed to question. I, I, okay, so I'm just disagreeing with you, Sam. You can take three weeks off and nobody will notice. But look, look at things like um, Davos, right? Davos or Glastonbury. Glastonbury doesn't happen every week. Glastonbury happens once a year, but because it's such a great event, people look forward to it. Um, my favorite, where I spend my time um, consuming media is like, a, I have a podcast I listen to, like one. I listen to one podcast, and it's a film podcast from the BBC. It's Kermode and Mayo's Film Review. And <laughs> I, I, that comes down once a week. Once a week for two hours. Yeah. That's it. And you know what? The consistency, the rhythm, the delight, the satisfaction, knowing that they're going to be there. You build a relationship with somebody once a week, once a month. You don't have to be everywhere all the time. You know, I think, I th I think selling happens by email. I'm not sure selling happens on the social. I think marketing happens on, so, but I, like I said, I'm not an expert in this area. Um, but I think we can all afford to do less. Yeah. The idea that we have to be on the content creation bandwagon is insane. Mm -hmm. And I shared this with some very advanced internet marketers uh, at a, an event I was speaking at in Sydney a few years ago. Uh, and there was a mastermind the day before, and I was in a room full of my heroes. 
And I was like, well, you know what? I'm a, I'm a speaker. I'm a public speaker. And anybody who speaks professionally knows that you're doing an utter disservice if you create a new speech every time you get on stage. You're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing your clients a disservice. They want your very best thing over and over and over and over. So you create one great presentation and then you deliver it far and wide. Jack Welch, who was the uh, CEO of General Electric for a long time, died recently. He wrote a book called Winning. And he said that his job as CEO of an organization that probably had hundreds of thousands of employees was to repeat the same thing over and over and over again for three years in three-year cycles. So I'm picking an uh, out of thin air. It might be reduce waste. That was his message. And he would go from destination to destination to destination. He'd say, we're reducing waste. Don't forget, reduce waste. Two words, reduce waste. Every day for three years, he would say the same thing. We're on a content creation, you know, we're, we're frenzy at the moment. You have to have a content calendar. You have to create a new thing. You have to go live. You have to make new stuff. And maybe it works. And I'm sure it does for a lot of people. But what if that wasn't true? What if you lived in an era pre-internet? Do you think it's possible to get booked solid pre-internet? Of course it is. Look at the businesses in your neighborhood that have the most longevity. They don't know how to turn on a computer because they're ancient dentists, lawyers, lawn care companies. The service professionals who have the most longevity have never relied upon endless content creation. So I will rally against showing up every day. And I think if you feel that you have to show up every day, you don't. Show up once a week and the rest of the time, do some selling. I think it's good though to have the, the, even just the challenge. What if it's not true? Like what if it's not, what if that's not the way it is? I think you're, you're so right that we get accustomed to what we see. So I see a lot of content creation. I then become accustomed to doing that myself you see a lot of offline sales and services so you do that and I think it's about making sure we all challenge what we are doing to whether it does align with what we want or not rather than just what we think everyone else is doing but also the resources available to you you know if you if you're a disciple of Gary V and Gary V says you've got to be creating you know 40 pieces of content a day that's eight individual pieces across four major platforms or four individual pieces across eight major platforms or whatever the math comes to. Um, yeah, that's great. If you're Gary Vee and you have a full-time team of media producers and three people to follow you around with cameras and microphones. Most people who are listening to this, most people in my client base don't have those resources available to them today. You have finite resources you can create something fantastic. You can create something mediocre. And so maybe it is fantastic if you show up every day. One of my friends, Amy uh, Landino, uh, who's repped by Gary V's Speaker Bureau, actually is a content machine. I mean, she has had a YouTube channel for 10 years, probably. Um, and she cr- puts out killer content nonstop, but that's her job. Yeah. Right? Her job is to make content. If you are a coach, if you are a creative, if you're a web designer... Uh, If you're a massage therapist, your job is not to create content. You can get far more valuable and cheaper leads. If the purpose of creating content is to generate leads, which I think it should be, you can get much cheaper, higher quality leads from your existing client base. No question. Yeah, it's true. It's good, though, to, to have that refreshing approach because I definitely think that we do. We fall into categories. You know, the people that create, 
the people that consume, the people that sell, the people that market, you know, there's all these different areas. And actually, is it actually the box that you want to be in? You know, is it the box that you want? With the current resources, it's such a good point. You know, if you don't have a team of people following you around, do you want to be filming videos and editing? Is that actually what you want to be doing? Um, Everybody needs to do some marketing, right? It's smart. Every business, no matter what size, will probably need to do some lead gen unless they're in such high demand and so famous that people are knocking on their door, which is great. But, you know, very few of us are in that situation. So you need to find what works for you. One of my clients is a leadership uh, coach and she works with horses. And so she'll take leadership teams and help advance corporate leadership skills through working with horses because horses don't take any shit right they if you if you try to lead a horse and they're not sensing your leadership skills they're not going to let you it's like growing the alpha so super peculiar um in terms of like the resources needed she can't just show up in a conference center with her horses she has very clear limited resources available to her and so what's she going to do from a marketing point of view is she going to be creating content every week is she hell? I mean, what, that, she wrote a book and that was a piece of work she did once. And then her focus is on getting that into, his, into the right people's hands. And that can mean instead of creating a piece of content, she gets in her car and she drives or she goes to the post office and she sends off 300 books. Um, or she'll do two or three carefully chosen speaking gigs every year. But in terms of creating content, forget about it. You know, just because it doesn't suit her. So just because other people are doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. I'm, I'm all for zagging when everybody is zigging. Yeah, I love that. I would encourage it. Yeah. I, just, I just don't like being told what to do. So, hey, you've got to be creating content. Do I fuck? I'll do whatever I want. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll make a couple of phone calls. You know what's been absolutely the single most valuable thing to me? No matter how crappy I've been feeling, no matter what's been going on in my life, um, it's been my relationships. I've invested so heavily in my relationships to the point that I have, you know, software tools that remind me to call my mother and the other 400 people in my life who are strategic. They're also my friends, but they are strategic relationships because if I want to make a hundred, let's take a concrete example. If I want to make 50 (coughs) K end of last year, I wanted to make 50 K before the end of the year. So I called my friend Todd, and I said, hey, Todd, uh, any, any chance we could do a, a joint venture? Could we do like something together before the end of the year? I've got this thing. Would you show it to your audience? He's like, I'd love to. Absolutely. And we both made a nice, I think we both made 75K each for a couple of weeks' work, not even. Um, and that was only because I've been investing in my relationship with Todd and people like Todd for the last decade. Relationships are key. Relationships are key. If you want to get on a stage, you want to get in a publication, you want, to, you want your marketing spend to go further. And whether that's spending money or time, find the people who are already up there and, and form a relationship with them and they'll give you a, they'll, they'll throw, you a, throw you a bone is probably the wrong way to say it. But you know, if, you, if you find that you've got a good relationship with people, that's worth so much more than 60 pieces of YouTube content. So true. Okay, I kind of want to ask you a meaty question before I then do this game with you. So I have to be a game, but... I know the answer will be yes, but I want to give you time to think about the example you'll give and what you did to get over that. So the question is, has there ever been a time that you've just wanted to quit and you've thought this is just too hard, too much, too difficult, not for me? 
But the, the secondary part of that is, if you've ever found yourself kind of backed into a corner thinking, I don't know if this is what I can do forever, you know, is this self-employed own business lark, you know, is this sustainable? What have you done to get yourself out of that situation and keep going? Okay, so to answer the first one, I mean, there's been no, I have such ups and downs that I will say that I think about jacking it in at least twice a year. And, and sometimes there's an external trigger, sometimes there's an internal trigger, you know, sometimes I'm just not feeling it. Like I said, I'm a brat, you know, I, I, I'm self-indulgent, masturbatorial, uh, self-obsessed narcissist. So I, I like to, you know, often that trigger, but I can't say there was a specific moment where I said, right, that's it. All of my business problems have been personal problems, mm. right? All of my business problems have been a result of personal issues. And, and so there was never like a thing that made me say, oh, I can't do this anymore. But every now and again, um, I think it would be great to have like a long-term retainer client who just takes care of 80% of my revenue. And they're more and more difficult to find now that my money's quite good right i'm not, not going to find necessarily one client that's going to do that but back in the day mm. i did back in the day years three and four you know these offers were on the table we'll give you 150 200k a year and, and basically become an employee and the couple of times i've done that that has reminded me why i should never do that because the most important thing to me is being in control of my own timetable that is more important than anything else. Um, don't know why. Maybe because I was at boarding school. Uh, I remember even when I was a kid at boarding school, I was like, I can't wait until I turn 18. So I never have to have a timetable ever again. And so that's been the thing that's really kept me in this. And even now I think, what else would I possibly do? I don't have any other options. I'd quite like to run a bar. Like genuinely, I'd like to own a bar here in the Mediterranean, just open in the evenings for my friends, do a happy hour, maybe a couple of friends I trust. But that's a retirement plan. That's not, a, for me at least, you know, I don't want to be in a nightclub impresario. Yeah. I just like the easy life of having a bar in a village square. You know? But that's, I de there is nothing else I can do today. And that's not bad. That's like, that's comfortable. Do you ever? I couldn't do it. If someone said, why don't you come and do this job? Director of marketing, head of sales. And I do get offers from time to time. I can't. I just can't. There's no way. And I think when you've done this, if you can get through year three, year four, year five, I'm not too proud, right? If for whatever reason I was no longer allowed, if I, let's say I was criminally barred from ever being the director of a company again, right? And for whatever reason, I just couldn't do it. I'm not too proud to go and get a job. Like, I will put food on my family's table mm. if I need to. I just can't. The old, even though this might be shit sometimes, and it is, uh, the alternative is a lot worse for me. It's so interesting, obviously, from meeting you and being around you and then obviously following you on social media and things like that. 
if I'm completely honest, it's comforting to me that you say that you would probably like to quit twice a year. You know, you get to that point where you're like, oh, I just want to jack it in because I definitely have moments where I think teaching is the easy option. Going back to teaching and having a salary and it all being done for me and a pension and all of that. I do have those moments where I think it would be easier, but I would never go back. Very similarly to you, like I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't go back to only weeing at certain times, eating at certain times, you know, constantly working to a test and a deadline and the pressure is just relentless. But when you have those, those lows, do you just allow yourself to have the low? Do you just allow yourself to kind of ride that wave? Do you ever try and push yourself out of the low? Yeah, you know, action. What do they say? Motion creates emotion. Yes, I do the forward things. I go, how can I push a sail forward? What's a low hanging? Yeah, but I've got some skills now when it comes to, I always feel better when I'm doing the thing, right? So inactivity breeds lethargy breeds misery you know you just start to melt a bit so uh, last week I was anxious about the current situation of the coronavirus I spent a day feeling a bit sorry and worrying that sales had fallen off a cliff and then I got on a coaching call with a handful of people and 90 minutes later I was like boom I love my job you know yeah. we've got some things we're meant to be doing uh, and some things we're not so uh, I don't you know I, I, I realize I have to keep showing up I have obligations. I have two kids. One of them's got special needs. Um, I've got, you know, a mortgage. I've got an office I rent. Uh, I've got, that's about it, basically. Oh, I've got a full-time housekeeper. I've got, you know, they're, they're, I've got some financial obligations. That's enough. I've often told um, my clients, and probably irresponsibly, but I don't really mind. Um, I've never been accused of being responsible. Is like, if, if you... you you're, I've got a thing called the kid's kidney concept, right? People say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe I could, maybe I couldn't. But if your kid needed a kidney and they get it if you could, then you would, right? So maybe you'll never run a three-minute mile, fair enough, but you could probably increase your mile. you probably get a lot faster if it meant that there was a, you know, you need to make 10K by the end of the month. Oh, so I true. I bet you so could. True. I bet you could if you really needed to. And sometimes people say it's their why or it's their, their mission or something. But um, I'll, I'll often challenge my clients. To, I'll say, spend some money that you don't have. Just, you know, write me a check. Write me a check for a few K. <laughs> we'll forward date it. And uh, if you, you know, if you, if, you, if you have the resources, then you will make sure that you can honor the check. Uh, um comfort comfort is is comfort is dangerous you know comfort yeah. comfort when you're comfortable the incentive to get off the sofa is is very low you know if someone's feeding you beer and pringles and changing the channel for you whereas if you're a little bit uncomfortable i find that so i get a little bit uncomfortable you know i make irresponsible spending decisions or i promise i make promises that i feel bad to break like sure i'll be there don't feel like it i'm gonna go anyway yeah that's good though because i think you know, I think, to be honest with you, though, and the whole reason that I'm having these conversations is because there is no one-size-fits-all. And I think it's so, so important that people have exposure to experience because everyone's experience is slightly different. And if you're only exposed to one type of experience, you start to believe that that's factual. 
and you start to believe that that's the only reality and the only option. But even in this conversation, you run your business and your business is, is completely different to mine, which is the whole point to this. You run your business completely different to mine. You have a very different lifestyle, but people need to be exposed to that because otherwise how can we expect people that are starting this journey to have the most informed decisions and informed options and variety to work out what they do love. So people would listen to you and think, yeah, well, I don't want to show up every day. Like that's just not for me. And the fact that you're not showing up every day doing the trivial things, but you are showing up every day on the things that truly matter and move the business forward. I think that's so important, but also to recognize that you don't love it every minute of the day. You're not literally breathing business. Like this is just everything and you just freaking love it all the time. That's refreshing because I think that so many people get stuck in that. They see people that have a positive outlook or a really big personality and they think, I just can't be like that or I'm not, I can't live that way or I'm just not happy all the time. I think it's good to hear that you're not. This is deadly serious. I've been, I've, you said I've been, I'm the grandfather in the industry and it's true. Well, maybe you're not, not your exact words, but I, I've been in this long enough <laughs> to see a lot of people come and go. Yeah. Those flash in the pan fuckwads who show up and they tell you life is fantastic and they've got the golden ticket to riches and happiness and wealth. I've seen four or five cycles of those in the last decade. Yeah, a few, of us are, a few of us are still around. Don't believe anything that you see on social media. If I were to have a photographer follow me around, oh boy, you know, very different to what we share on on, and I know this is a truism and it's been said before, but it's okay. However you are feeling is okay. And you might look at Sam's Instagram and say, oh, she looks so flowery and yellow and beautiful and happy. <laughs> and she might be lying in bed with a stinking hangover, having thoroughly embarrassed herself and fallen out with her best friend the night before. Um, you know, we never know. So don't worry about the others. I also think it's really important to say, because we said at the beginning that it's all mindset and business is binary and, you know, 90% of business problems are personal problems in disguise. I'm going to name check Michael Port again for that piece of brilliance. <clears throat> um, if you are suffering from mental health issues, go and see a professional. You can't mindset your way out of clinical depression. And I know plenty of people who would be well advised to not say, how can I fix what's wrong with my business, but instead focus on going to see a therapist, mm -hmm. going to talk to their GP, finding out, you know, manic depression is massive in the entrepreneurial community. It's huge, as is alcoholism, um, prescription drug addiction, unhealthy obsession with body image. Um, eating disorders, show me an entrepreneur that's got their shit together and I'll show you 10 that are loopy. And, and, and okay, you know, I'm a huge fan of loop. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think, I think you should yeah. be loopy. But, you know, not every, the solution to, every, to only some problems comes in the business section of the bookshop. Mm. A lot of the other solutions come from dedicated, experienced mental health providers. So, even if you're feeling a little bit grumpy all the time, that might be worth a chat with a therapist. I found talk therapy to be incredibly useful when I've needed it in the past. Mm. I don't have a, a therapist on call, but certainly there have been periods in my life when <clears throat> that was what was needed. It wasn't, how do I fix my funnel? 
Yeah, yeah, so true. Okay, I'm going to ask you some questions now. What have we been doing for the last half an hour? Well, no, but this is like a quiz. Oh, okay, go on. But, can, I, can I say pass? No, this is the rules. These are the rules. You can't pass. All right. You can't say both or neither. Okay. And you can't justify. All right, I can do that. So you're only allowed, you can only have <coughs> one. You can't have All both right. or neither, okay? Can't have both or neither and you can't not answer. Yeah, Okay. We'll start with some easy ones and then I'll just try and chuck them out there. But I don't plan these either, so you just see what happens. Ask me anything. Okay. Pringles or McCoys? McCoys. Oh, yeah, definitely. Daytime or nighttime? Nighttime. Hot or cold? Hot. Jennifer Aniston or Courtney Cox? Courtney Cox. Horror or comedy? Comedy. Romance or thriller? Romance. Robin Williams or Robbie Williams? Robbie Williams is the take that guy, right? Yeah. He's really cool. Robbie Williams. (laughs) Okay. Adventure. So like hiking, surfing. So adventure holidays or relaxing holidays? Relaxing holidays. Really? I thought you would have said adventure. Well, you said I had to choose one or the other. I'm going yeah, to go okay. straight down the middle if you ask. You know, a bit, okay. of, bit of adventure and then a stiff drink. No, okay, right. Re- relaxing then. Okay, sand, so like beach or pool? <sighs> hmm. Beach. Shower or bath? Shower. Really? I freaking love a bath. Okay. Food or alcohol? So like socialising for dinners or socialising with drinks? Food. Yeah, okay. Starter or dessert? Starter. I've got one more, final one. Money or time? Hmm. This is... Without any context, I've got to say money. So, would you rather? Okay, I'll expand a tiny bit. Would you rather have be rich in money or rich in time? You see, this is all through my. Uh, no, I'm not allowed to explain it. Yeah, I'd rather be rich in money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that would be a tough. That's always hard. I find that hard as well. Well, they're, they're my um, questions for you, but I... Also, they were much easier than I was expecting. Yeah, I thought it's like a quick fire, otherwise I didn't want <laughs> all to be difficult. Um, I may, I'm going to make sure I put your Instagram, but um, is there any other links you'd like me to put on there onto, onto the podcast so people can come and stalk you? Yeah, go to matthewkimberley.com and get on my email list. That's where everything happens. Okay. Once every three weeks, that's where everything happens. Yeah, but nothing happens anywhere else. (laughs) I'll make sure I put that in there. But honestly, thank you so much. I just, it's just refreshing to hear another way to do business and there, there isn't one size fits all. There's not this cookie cutter method. There's not this, you know, magic pill that everyone swallows and becomes successful. So I really appreciate the fact that you've spent time talking to us, being really frank with us and just sharing your experience. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And I will come back anytime you want, if you will have me again. Of course.
course. Okay, well, I will definitely see you on the other side of social media. And I'm looking forward to everyone coming and joining this uh, hip happening email list. Fantastic. Thanks, Em. Running a business can be hard. And running a business alone as a solopreneur is even harder. If you are fed up of figuring it out on your own, making mistakes and struggling alone, trying to learn as you go, taking one step forward and feel like you take two steps backwards, there is always more that we can learn together. The BMA is the place for you. I'm extending a warm invite for you to join the place for female entrepreneurs to support and empower one another, to seek high level coaching and mentorship from me and to have access to invaluable resources, templates and worksheets for you to succeed, scale your businesses and grow together. As an affordable, low investment every month, the BMA couldn't be more perfect for you. The Bold Moves Academy is focused at coaching female entrepreneurs in what they need most to accelerate their business and make the progress they deserve. Building a successful business doesn't have to be lonely and it certainly doesn't have to be complicated. I can't wait to see you inside the BMA today.